Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good morning, or good evening, or wherever you are. We're so glad you're joining us today. I'm Nicole with City Beautiful, and happy third Sunday of Advent. Um, I grew up in a church that, of course, we celebrated the Christmas season, but we didn't really celebrate Advent as a whole. We didn't light the candles. We didn't observe the Christian calendar. And whenever I was maybe in my, I was in my late teens, I started going to another church and visiting from time to time that did observe Advent. And ever since then, it has become such an important part of my life. And I am so excited to be speaking to you as we have lit the candle of joy today on the third Advent of Sunday. Have you ever noticed that the candle for joy is pink in color while all of the other ones are purple. So last week we talked about hope. Week before we talked about peace. Those are both purple. Then today we're talking about joy and it's pink. And not only today do I want to speak to you about the topic of joy and what that all represents, but I also want to talk to you about how that is represented even in the color of the candle. Speaking of colors and candles and holiday season, you know, we really want to create a childlike atmosphere of joy today. As you can see from our songs, uh, from our decorations, even from this redonkulous romper that I have on, we want to have joy in our lives. And I hope that wherever you are watching, that you're able to be encouraged and feel the joy of the Lord in your life today. Just like the joy that's in the heart of children during the holiday season, I want us to remember and have joy in our hearts as children of God. Um, you know, joy is a theme that honestly runs all the way through the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, you can find references to joy, rejoicing, um, things like that. And as we get closer to Christmas, it seems that joy surrounds us everywhere, like everywhere. Everything from our Christmas carols to our greeting cards, decorations, outfits. You know, joy just seems natural this time of year. And, but for many this time of year, it, it doesn't come very natural. And especially this year in 2020, joy seems a little bit mercurial and elusive. But as Christians, there is a truth about joy that we can look to and hope for because Christian joy is not killed in the presence of sadness. No, Christian joy is revealed in the morning. And I'm not talking about the morning after the sun sets and the sun rises. I'm talking about the morning, the sadness that is in life, the grief that is in life. As Christians, we can understand and tap into the reality that joy and sadness are often partners. There was this Washington Post article based on a UN report. It was from a few years ago I came across, and it shows that 
U.S. citizens have a major problem. They compared various countries and levels of happiness. And this study was done before COVID. It wasn't done in the middle of the holidays. But it showed that in our country, we are increasingly unhappy when compared to other countries. It's kind of sad. There's a bunch of different theories that the report put out. Um, but one of them that many of the statisticians agreed on is that we are a nation of mass addiction. Whether that's an addiction to porn, an addiction to food, an addiction to sex, or an addiction to social media. Today, allegedly, most teenagers spend around seven to eight hours on social media every day. That is a true addiction. And addiction still away happiness. Like... Lord, I can't even imagine if I was in middle school and high school whenever social media was so prevalent, like all the comparison that happens, all of the, the bullying that even happens on social media, it steals happiness away. But as Christians, we have to understand the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is different from joy. Happiness is a very circumstantial type thing. And even the word that it comes from is an old um, Norse word, and it's hap. So we look at happenstance. It's a luck. It's a chance. Something just happens. And the world really focuses on that, on happiness. But unfortunately... The church has really focused on that. The church, Big C Church, has focused on the pursuit of happiness whenever really we should all be trying to pursue holiness. The church has done a bad job of acknowledging the realities of the world. Thankfully, not our church. I love City Beautiful Church, and I am so honored to be a part of it. And if you're looking for a church and you're just finding us online, join us because we look in the face of the sadness of the world and we try to bring the joy of the Lord into that. But that's a side note. But most churches only talk about hope and about peace and about joy and about love. And, you know, they're going from glory to glory. It's just going to keep on getting better, keep on getting better. We're going to be so blessed. We're too stressed to be, we're, we're too blessed to be stressed. And we don't talk about the hard things in church, and that just doesn't make sense. We don't talk about things like violence or tragedy, racism, refugee crises, things that defy understanding. And the Big C Capital Church needs to recognize we must learn to feel all of our feelings fully in the light of who Jesus is. But sometimes feelings, including joy, are a little bit hard to fully comprehend. So there is a cartoon that I adore. And if you haven't seen it, as soon as you're done watching this message, I want you to get on Disney Plus or whatever streaming device you have, Amazon, and watch Inside Out because it is fantastic. And in that cartoon, there's a young girl who suddenly has her world turned upside down. And she moves to from a rural area with her family to a big city. And her emotions are just all up in the air. And the main characters of the movie are her emotions. And they're all led by the character Joy. 
little blue-haired lady who is just really awesome, and she, she's always wanting everybody to be happy and excited. And her emotions start to guide her through the move and the change in life and what's going on. But the stress that the little girl Riley is going through suddenly brings the character of sadness to the forefront of the movie. And so Joy, the character Joy and the character Sadness are swept away into the far corners of Riley's mind and they realize they've got to work together to get through this. And so in a scene that they are in what's called the core memory bank, Joy keeps telling Sadness, I just want my girl to be happy. I want her back how she used to be, all of this type stuff. And then this scene, it shows Joy and she's sobbing, crying. And she picks up a core memory. It's a little ball that shows a memory from Riley's childhood. And it shows Riley with her teammates and her parents dancing together after a big hockey game. Joy had always thought that memory was 100% a happy and exciting, joyful memory. But she touches the globe, the ball, and rewinds it just a little bit. And she realizes that initially in that memory that Riley was sad. But Riley's sadness caused her parents to reach out to her and to love on her and to care for her. And it caused her teammates to come and comfort her and console her. And so they were able together take a sad scene and make it a happy one. And at that moment, the character of Joy in Inside Out realized the importance of her partner, sadness. Often, we can be too much like the character of Joy. Often, we can be too much as a church like the character of Joy at the start of the movie. We try to gloss over all the negative feelings, focus just on the brighter, happier stories, and then we wonder why people don't feel like they can be themselves at church. They don't feel welcome at church because we don't acknowledge the pain and suffering in the world and instead we just say, be joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And yes, that is true. But how can anyone tell us their stories? How can anyone share their mourning with us? How can they admit that they're depressed and they've lost their job? People need to feel safe to bring those things into the church and to leave those feelings of sadness at the foot of the cross and pick up the joy of the Lord. Because if you can't bring that stuff into the church and give it to Jesus and be supported by your community in those things, I don't know where you can bring those things, except for maybe a therapist couch, which is usually a good idea as well. The other day I was talking to someone and we were joking and I said, uh, emotions, they're so icky. I'm a, on the Enneagram, I'm a three and it's not that I don't like emotions, but very often I keep negative emotions at bay. And the thing is, is God is not like that. He is not like that at all. He never looks at it that way. And even in scripture, in Isaiah he promises that God will give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I've felt a lot of heaviness this year. Lots of heaviness. Personal, communal, 
in our state, in our country, obviously, and in our world. But even in the midst of that heaviness, we as Christians have a hope. But not only do we have a hope for joy in Jesus, we have an obligation to acknowledge that there is brokenness in the world right now, today, but also even go one step forward and proclaim that the world doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to stay broken. There is another way, and Advent, what we are celebrating right now, this season, points to that way. It points to the hope and the future and the way of Christ who has come into this world to redeem us and is coming again. So back to the candle. I told you I was going to talk about the candle. So the color of today's candle is pink. And it really, really, really reflects so well the two, the, the one side, <laughs> the two sides of one coin that I've been talking about of joy and sadness. The traditional color of Advent is purple, as you see in the other candles here, which represents royalty, the coming of the Prince of Peace. But also it shows repentance. As I was reading some historical context, it said that churches used to take Advent very, very seriously. And the four weeks before Christmas for many centuries was very somber. The story goes that in the middle of the dark winters and the more reflective time of Advents from years past, that church leaders thought that people needed a little glimpse of what was to come. And so they made the third candle pink, which is supposed to be a mixture between the purple, the color of Advent, and the white candle, the Christ candle, that we will light on Christmas Eve. And they called that Sunday, which we call Joy Sunday, Godet Sunday. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure someone will let me know if it's wrong. But <laughs> it means to rejoice. And so today we have lit the pink candle because just as the white of the Christ candle mixes with the purple and it transforms it, we are waiting for Christ's light to break into this world and to bring the joy that feels so elusive to so many people this time of year, specifically. Statistics talk about at length how the holiday season, there's higher increase of depression, there's higher increase of family fights, there's higher increase of suicide even. And part of me thinks there is a spiritual warfare aspect even to that because this time of year most of the world is celebrating and looking towards the heavens or at least remembering about Jesus coming to earth for us at Christmas we as Christians have to testify that joy true joy that sticks around comes from Christ and it does not run away it does not go hide in the corner, the way that happiness does at the mere sign of sadness or bad circumstances. No, instead, joy, just like the character joy in Inside Out, sees sadness and recognizes we can work together. We can do something together here. 
That joy of holy joy that we're talking about today, it's present in the very best of times, and it's even there at the bad times. You can be a very joyful person and still cry that the world is broken. Because being joyful does not mean that you're always free of grief and sadness. It just means you're aware it's not supposed to be this way. And we believe it can be better. And the way that it's better seems a little bit counterintuitive. But in the New Testament, it is very, very, very clear that joy and sadness are interrelated. Last week, Ryan was talking about some of the martyrs' writings. And whenever you read some of the martyrs' writings, you see a level of joy. These people that are about to die for their faith, you see their joy. And then in Paul's writings, which makes up, I think, somewhere around 60% of the New Testament, He's always talking about joy. That man is always talking about joy and rejoicing. And he's, he's writing most of these books while he's in chains. It's like, it's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make much sense. But they feel the presence of Jesus especially near. And that's why they can speak with such great joy. But I guess as Christians, when we believe that Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave and literally did that and has saved us from a life of pain and sin and suffering, joy becomes more reasonable. Joy becomes something that you can wrap your head around, even in 2020. Because joy and sadness in the Christian life are not necessary sequential, but they can be simultaneous. As Christians, which I would assume if you're watching this right now, you're a Christian, and if you're not, I hope that this message tugs at your heart in some way. But as Christians, we have a unique relationship with joy. So one of those examples of a unique relationship of being able to say, I have joy, it's right here in this hand, but I have sadness and I have sorrow and I have grief and it's right here in this hand. And I'm okay, the tension that is there in between them and holding them. One example is a memorial service for a Christian. So growing up, a lot of times in the deep south where I'm from, um, whenever older Christians in the church would die, we would have what was called a going home celebration. And Really, it was a big party to celebrate the fact that this person is no longer here on earth, but we know they're in heaven with Jesus, and they're worshiping at the feet of Jesus. And that sounds crazy to most people, unless you're a Christian. We are able to hold both of those things, joy and sadness and joy and grief, at the exact same moment. Another example for me personally is with my family, what we've endured in the past year and three, four months. As many of you know, um, last fall, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And it has been one heck of a ride. We feel like we have been through hell and back. And we are still in it, but we are on the other side of it, and he's doing so well, and so many of you have prayed for him, and I thank you for that. 
but it was hard. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of anger. There was lots of sorrow and grief. But in the middle of that, there was joy. Because it was the first time in like 15 years that my immediate family, my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself, have lived in the same city. And so that was like a little gift from God that even though we had to go through this hard time with my father, that we were all able to be together. So there was joy and sadness right there at the same time. But it's because we as Christians were able to recognize that God had ordained us to be together and we could pull joy from being together. And scripture has quite a few places that gives the example of the unique relationship between sadness and joy, but I'll just read about two here. In 1 Peter, it says, in this you rejoice, though you are grieved. It's experienced at the same time. It doesn't say, once you're done grieving, then you can start rejoicing. No, it says, in this you rejoice, though you are grieved. And then we look at 2 Corinthians, and it's the nature of the Christian life, if you really think about it. Paul has so many examples, but right here it says, he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, but always rejoicing? I mean, that's a little hard to wrap your head around. Even as I'm saying it, it's not once the sorrow is done, then start rejoicing. No, sorrowful, but always rejoicing. And this type thing, this only happens for followers of Jesus. You're not going to find followers of different religions that are able to bring these two together. You're not going to be able to find people who believe in reincarnation or able to bring these two together because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe they'll come back a slug. Maybe they won't come back. Maybe they'll reach nirvana. We know that our future has a promise with Jesus. If we stop and really look at the Christian life, it goes from slavery to freedom from the wilderness to the land of milk and honey, from darkness to light, from the cross to the resurrection, and from sadness to joy. Because the joy that the Lord has given us through his Holy Spirit and the deposit of joy that he has put in our heart. There's a portion of a poem um, that I'd like to read to you guys. It's by Cahill Gibran, who is, I love him as a poet. And he talks about joy and sorrow. And so I think it's really apropos for today. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was once hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is now giving you joy. There are definite moments in life where we have to go through the bad to get to the better. Isaiah 9 is a perfect example of this. Most of us know the beautiful section of scripture about for unto us a child is born. But the first part of this chapter is not really often read that much. So I'd like to read the whole portion of scripture 
today. It says, this is Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. It says, the people who walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. There's that joy word. They rejoice before you with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. A spoil usually comes from some type of war, some type of battle. So there's some sadness and grief going on here. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah was looking to the future when he wrote this. He was not seeing with his own eyes what was going on in the current moment. No way. Because he just talked about bloody boots and all this war and all of these these burdens. I mean, there was some stuff going on at that time that was hard, but he stopped and he looked into the future with his prophetic gifting and his prophetic writing and saw what was to come. He saw Jesus coming to save this world. Because see, our joy as God's people is not determined by our current struggles but it's determined by our future destiny. And Isaiah saw the future destiny that was held in Jesus. You know, you can even think about the children of Israel and how whenever they were in captivity, they still had hope and they were looking to their future destiny. They weren't thinking about the fact, well, I'm sure they thought about it some, but They weren't looking about the fact of the struggle they were currently in. They were determined in looking towards their future destiny. Even whenever they were in the wilderness and they were complaining and got so bad that the two nations split apart, they kept hope. They kept hope. They were wandering around in the wilderness, but they knew God said that they were headed to a land of milk and honey. They persevered. And in our act of persevering, even in the sadness and in the struggle, it helps our character become more refined. More refined to reflect the character of God. A character that was full of joy. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy 
that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. Yeah, the joy of the cross. That don't, that don't make much sense. So what was his motivating joy that was set before him? I think it's helpful to understand that for obvious reasons, it was not found in the event of his crucifixion. No. He found joy in the guaranteed outcome of his crucifixion. His pain, you guys, his pain, it had a purpose. He was getting us back. He was buying us back. He was doing the Father's will. He was fulfilling scripture and ultimately taking on the sins of the world with a redeeming power that he used through the cross and the resurrection. That was the cause of his joy. And he looked ahead He looked beyond the suffering of the cross. He looked beyond the nails being put into his hands and was motivated in his suffering for joy to reunite us with him. And the way that Jesus approached the cross with the joy in the outcome of things is a perfect example for us in life. God's work and God's way shapes our joy. Obviously, his ways don't quite make sense to us most of the time. But if we can trust him, even when we don't see him in the midst of things, he can make good of out of any situation. I'm not the type of person who says, God, you know, that happened for a reason. God let that happen for a reason. I do not think that. I think that's bad theology. But I do believe that he can take any situation and if we allow him, good can come from it. Because when God hid his face on Friday for joy to come on Sunday, the sadness of Saturday still was there. And so he wants us to recall as followers of Christ, joy is not determined by our situation, but about our position. Our position of who we are as children of God. And we've all got to remember this. This season, as we go into 2021, I want us to remember that our joy does not have to be determined by our current situation. It's about our position. God has put his Holy Spirit inside of us. And we are temples of the living God. That's pretty cool to think about. We are temples of the living God. And everything in our life, if we can look at it through the eyes of joy, using the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. But today on this Joy Sunday, you know, I've I've talked a lot about sadness and a lot about suffering. And I think that's important. Because sometimes, as a quote I once heard, I'm not sure who said it, it's important to allow sadness to come. Because tears can clear up our eyes so we can see him more clearly and feel the fullness of his joy more completely. In this season, this Advent season, season of 2020, any season you are in your life right now when you're watching this, if you're feeling more sadness and more sorrow, more upset than usual, 
I want you to recall the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of joy as declared by the angels to the shepherds. Mega joy, major joy, huge joy of good news for all people. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.